This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers getting ready for a trip to Minneapolis coming up this weekend to take on the Gophers. Jesse, this kind of surprised me a little bit. It caught up to me. I, I w- was tracking it throughout the the long winning streak that Wisconsin had over Minnesota for them to finally pass them. Uh, but now it's tied again at 62, 62, and 8. We'll get to talk about the, this game coming up here in a little bit. Uh, start, though, with what Luke Fickle had to say on Monday. Uh, I know that there wasn't a, a ton there, but I think the injury thing certainly is something that stands out to me. Uh, he was asked about... Will Pauling, he was asked about Hunter Walder. He was asked about Bryson Green. He was also asked about Braylon Allen and, you know, how much he could do in practice this week. And he said, there's a ton of unknowns going into this one. And I I certainly, I don't want to say that's ominous for the availability of those guys coming up on Saturday. Uh, But I think certainly when it's head injuries, which we believe it to be with Hunter Wohler and Jackson Aker, that there is some very much some unknown in terms of who's going to be able to be on the field for them coming up on Saturday afternoon. Yes, that is completely fair. I would say we have never known less <laughs> about <laughs> the injury status of players, seeing as we don't get any updates during the week and Luke doesn't have any need to offer any, but also early in the week, he doesn't know. So we'll find out with everyone else two hours before the game when they the Big Ten Maybe. forces teams to give a report. That's That was the caveat there is <laughs> they didn't have Bryson Green on there. And then we they decided that to list him as out. But obviously, those are key playmakers to, to this team. Braylon, as we talked about on the previous show, was so banged up that nobody knew if he was going to be able to play last Saturday, including him. Uh, I would assume if he's got any shot, he will do his best to be out there because this is presumably the last axe game for him if if things go the direction that he wants them to go. But what does a team look like if you don't have Will Pauling, who's been so valuable to this offense, and your backfield is further depleted, and and your wide receiver room, everything. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But it will change the dynamics of this game certainly if if some of those guys can't go. Oh, we have some breaking news here from Wisconsin. Not necessarily truly, truly, truly breaking news. I think this was kind of talked about a little bit, but uh, they have confirmed that they will open the 2027 season in Ireland against Pittsburgh. How about that? The magic of doing this show live. Yes. The (laughs) Air Lingus College Football Classic going to take place at the Aviva Stadium located in Dublin. Is that where they played the great Big Ten West matchup between Nebraska and Northwestern, maybe? Um, it's gonna be it's gonna serve as a home game for Pitt because Wisconsin's gonna play them at Camp Randall in 2026. So yeah, I mean that's uh that's interesting. It's again, it's not overly surprising. We had heard rumblings that this was going to happen, but this will be the first time that they play on foreign soil since can you tell me? I'm going to go 1993 in you, Tokyo, Japan. Look, screw off. You're looking at the same press. I'm not time. looking at anything. Yes, you, you know, are. I swear to God, I'm not looking at anything. But how oh. many games have they played overseas? That's like the most famous one ever. And since I can't think of any others, that's what I went with. Yeah, it's Wisconsin's only other game in a foreign country came in 1993. 
that 41 to 20 win that sent them to the Rose Bowl. It was in the Coca-Cola Bowl in Tokyo, Japan. So, yeah, that's uh, that's fun. That's that 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 should be fun uh, opening. I, I guess it the game's going to be played on 28th. So I guess that would be week zero, I would assume. That's 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 fun for Wisconsin. That's fun for Wisconsin and fun for fans, I assume, as well, who perhaps will make that trip over to uh, to Ireland, because that's kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity to go and see your see your team play in a in a foreign uh, country, especially one with as rich a history as Ireland has and all the great things you can probably do in addition to going and seeing the game itself. So, all right. little breaking news there in the middle of uh, the podcast. Your take on it? Excited for it? Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 2027 feels a long way away, man. We'll and see yet, where we're at in four years. And yet, uh, not so far, you know, when you think about it, 2027 is uh, we're that's essentially 2019, right? From where we are right now. I yeah, but uh, in my head, uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make it through this week, Zach. It's a long I, season. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> All right. Going going back to potentially who Wisconsin has available on, on Saturday with with Will Pauling. And, and Braylon, Braylon has not been healthy for this game yet. I mean, he was danged up certainly in 2021 when they went up to Minnesota and lost. He didn't even play in last year's game coming off uh, a win over Nebraska. I, I guess, would you be surprised if he didn't play at all? I would. Okay. All right. <laughs> I would uh, because if, if. Because I don't have anybody else. What's that? They don't have anybody else. Like last well, year, you, last year you could have, t- you, you know, you could hand the ball to Ches Malusi or Isaac Rendo. You don't have that this year. You have, you don't have Ches Malusi. Jackson Aker left with what appeared to be a head injury, so you're down to Kade Yacomelli. I feel like Braylon is going to give it a go no matter what. But, um, so I would agree with you. I would be a little surprised. Yeah, obviously we don't know what he's going through right now, but the fact he was able to give them 22 carries in the win against Nebraska certainly has to be encouraging and remains to be seen how his body will respond. But this is such a big game. And I think the players who have been a part of it before understand it's meaning and you want to do everything you can to put yourself out there and, and give yourself a chance. And not only that, but Wisconsin's lost this thing two years in a row and that hadn't happened since 93, 94. So it'd be a big deal for Wisconsin to win that thing in Minneapolis and prevent the Gophers from potentially going to a bowl game as well. Right. With Braylon, you mentioned this will be his last ax game. I kind of feel like this is going to be his last game. Yeah, I mean, we see that more and more. I don't want to – this is tough because we're, we're speculating, not having just straight up asked him, and if we did, we wouldn't have an answer because he doesn't need to tell us. But we do see that now more and more where guys, if they're going to put themselves in a position to go to the NFL and their team's not competing for a national championship, um, they, they decide to sit out and – I, we saw it last year. I mean, obviously Graham, the, the team's three captains, Graham entered the transfer portal, Graham Mertz, but the other two guys, Nick Herbig and Keanu Benton needed to start, or they wanted to start preparing for the NFL draft and worked out for both of them, ended up with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Wisconsin somehow managed to win the bowl game anyway. But um, now that you throw that out there, it, it very well could be a possibility, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, you, you, uh, I know you don't want to speculate on it. I will. And I, I think it's probably his last game. So, I, again, I don't, I don't envision guys that have a shot to be drafted playing in a lot of bowl games that, that don't mean a ton anymore, um, yeah. which, which kind of sucks. But also, like we saw last year, the bowl game gives younger guys an opportunity. Um, that said, mentioning the running backs, mentioning Chez, uh, 
Luke Fickle was asked about him yesterday because, as has been widely observed, he was not among the seniors that were introduced before the game. That was not always going to be the case. He was originally on the list. They had a talk about it. He also said that, um, you know, there's obviously a decision for him to make. And I don't know if this was just him talking specifically about the seniors and having a decision to make, but also potentially guys that would be looking to enter the transfer portal. Uh, but he said, don't make an emotional decision. Let's see how this thing plays out. And I wonder if if you would agree with me that maybe that's not just talking about Chaz, but it's talking about a lot of guys that potentially have a decision to make, whether they want to come back for a sixth year or whether they will even want to still be at Wisconsin. Oh, I think that's absolutely got to be the case. Um we're going to be seeing this every year from this point forward. We've seen a lot of people decide to enter the transfer portal in what felt like a rash decision or a decision that it could, you it would have been wise to take more time. And I won't name names, but I think over the years, even in the last two or three years, we've, we've seen that. Um, and so you want to make the best decision for yourself. And if you're the staff, you want to give them every opportunity to understand Here's what happened this season. Here's why it didn't work out. Here's what we see for you in the future. And if that doesn't align with your vision, then move on. But I think everybody at least wants to be on the same page. Do you think Chez is back? Again, I know speculation, but do you think he'll return? I'd be surprised if he didn't come back. Did did or didn't? If he didn't come back. Okay. All Um, right. Because like, he's not on the senior list. What, what would be the alternative that he would go somewhere else? I mean, if he, yeah. like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is the alternative. It's not like he's going to, I don't think he's going to make a decision. Well, I, I mean, I guess he could make a decision to go pro. The problem with running backs, obviously is the, the older you get, it's why Braylon's stock is where it's at. Cause he's still so young. Whereas Chez, this would be, um, you know, six years in college. Maybe his fifth year. Cause he never took a redshirt season. But this is his redshirt season. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. No, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Because he was here and he played two years at Clemson, then came here in 21. Oh, yeah. Played the last two. So next year would be six. Okay. Well, I think he'd be the featured back here. Um, the problem is if the scholarship distribution was what. I mean, you had the returning guys all coming back, and I don't know if that'll be the case. You'd have seven scholarship running backs. So that's a lot. Now, they did have eight a few years ago. It didn't exactly work out for some of those guys and and for the Badgers. But um, I don't know. I I think he's really, when he was healthy, he was such a good fit for this system. But uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to him since he got hurt. And don't imagine that we will anytime soon. No, probably not. But um, I think it'd be a, a good thing for Wisconsin. I also. I think new blood's not a horrible thing either, right? Uh, with the three incoming guys that they have. But I also think bodies at that position are, is vital. We saw we were seeing that again this year. They were unable to, or I think unable to is the, the right way to describe it. Add another um, veteran behind Chez and Braylon, and I certainly understand why, because who wants to come in and, and wait their turn? Now, some... And it's kind of like why you miss Isaac Rendo at this point. And I, you know, I tweeted that out a few weeks ago and, and people are all up in arms about why he would stay. And I, I, I understand it, but that's like the best of the world would be to have veterans to step in. And instead you're using a converted fullback who I understand was recruited as a running back, but still is a converted fullback. 
and a guy who's playing safety last year is your third and fourth guys right now. So that's unfortunate. And it may be why you would want to have Chez back in the lineup to go along with some of the young guys. But we'll see how that plays out here over the next few weeks, month or so. I guess as soon as the college football playoff is uh, is announced, then the transport opens and the uh, circus of the offseason begins. But Wisconsin has one more game, obviously, before that can happen. And that is on Saturday against Minnesota. Uh, Jesse, for you... Based on what Minnesota has at stake, a bowl game, mm-hmm. uh, the axe, some people calling about, for, you know, for PJ's job versus what Wisconsin has at stake, which is obviously the axe and Luke Fickle kind of ending the season on a high note. Who is this game bigger for, do you think? As much as it probably pains me to admit it, it's bigger for Minnesota. Uh, the Gophers won nine games each of the last two seasons. Now that they're sitting here at five and six, it's been a disappointing year and Going to a bowl game at least still matters a little bit. They've been to four bowl games in the last five seasons under Fleck. Whereas with Wisconsin, okay, we know they're going to a bowl. They they haven't been very good this season. I know they've lost the axe the last two years, but this is the start of something under Luke Fickle. And so if you lose, eh, people aren't going to be thrilled, but it doesn't change the the future of the program, uh, if that makes sense. So I think it's, Bigger deal for Minnesota at this point. On the other hand, that it's still a really massive deal for Wisconsin because, uh, I mean, when's the last time they lost three straight in this series? Mid-80s. Mid-80s. There you go. There you go. When they lost four straight. So, yeah, for me, it's I would disagree with you. I think it's bigger for Wisconsin, and maybe that's okay. just – Maybe that's just my mind and where it is in terms of P.J. Fleck and where it is in terms of uh, uh, growing up in – Wisconsin and knowing the importance and you certainly understand the importance of it, but the acts and the domination that Wisconsin had showed over the long stretch has, is yeah. kind of being, is kind of being challenged or has been challenged. Minnesota's won three of the last five Wisconsin needs this one. They, they need it. Not oh, just, yeah. they need it, not just for the fact that it's the, the acts, but it's Luke fickle. And we know, I know we've already talked about how no matter what happens, the season has not lived up to what the expectations were and, you can use whatever word you want to use to describe it. I've used failure. Um, I, not winning this game would would be uh, another tick on the register of, of failure. And so it is. It's they're going to a bowl game no matter what, but they need to bring that axe back home. I mean, this that that you cannot lose three straight to that snake oil salesman. You just can't do it. And so there there has to be there has to be um uh urgency on Wisconsin side to get this turned back in, in in their favor. Wisconsin's still the better program, but they have not necessarily played like it the last few years, whereas Minnesota has more wins than them in the last few years. And they are in a spot right now where you can kind of slam the door on not just their bowl aspirations, but put PJ on the hot seat, even though I know Mark Coyle came out and said he supports him. Um, but you, you put him at five and seven, you give him a losing year and uh, it, you know, next year, if things don't work out, he could be gone. This there's there's a lot at stake here. Maybe that's in my mind more at stake. And the players couldn't give a crap about PJ whatsoever. But to me, to me, on a number of levels, this is this is bigger for Wisconsin. So we'll see, we'll see how it plays out on Saturday. I certainly think that there is a uh, a chance Wisconsin. I, it, to me, this is a coin flip game. I don't know how you feel about it. Yep, hundred percent. I felt the same way about Nebraska. And it was a coin flip, as it turned out. 
<laughs> they it needed was. to do another coin flip. They actually had to do a second coin flip because it went to overtime. They did. They did have to do a second coin flip, and and Wisconsin lost that coin flip. So, um, we'll we'll see if they're able to figure it out on uh, on uh, Saturday, and, and the coin flip goes their way multiple times. Um, I wanted to get to a, cu- a couple questions that we didn't hit on on Sunday for from the camp and uh, questions I got on the uh, on Twitter. Uh, this is from U- UW Badgers Zero. He says, "Was there a too nice with player accountability under the prior coaching staff. I really like Chris Rudolph Leonard, but there's clearly players that don't like Fickle's intensity. And I'm wondering if that that's a player accountability issue versus a coach issue. Ooh, big question. Um, I do recall in writing the kind of postmortem on Paul Christ's tenure, some people wondering about the perhaps lack of accountability within the program and they uh, but again that's a handful of people who are feeling more free to comment after the fact um it's it's a possibility i think that's a legitimate gripe that can be had is is accountability or lack thereof and when your program starts to slip and go from a level of consistently competing for or at least reaching the Big Ten championship game to not coming anywhere close, it's sort of an across-the-board failure, and I think that has to be in consideration as well, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely, but it's not like, you know, accountability is is a word that has been used a lot in recent years, and I think it transformed, I mean, I think it continues to this year because they haven't been overly um, sound in their play. I think we can agree no. on that, right? So, yeah, and and the guys that, have not necessarily played clean. Are they being held accountable? Because I think we've talked about it a number of times who leads the big 10 in, in penalties right now. It's yes. I mean, it's their starting left tackle and they continue to throw him out there. And while he may be a good player, it, it doesn't feel like he's being held accountable to, and I'm putting accountability in, in air quotes to the standard of a Wisconsin offensive lineman. Look, I I am higher on Jack Nelson than most still at this point. I know that he has not had the season that everyone expected, especially probably him. Uh, I'm not saying that 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 doesn't mean he's still not going to leave. I think there's probably a a chance or maybe even a good chance that he does. But he hasn't been he hasn't lived up to the expectations for him going into the season. And he's and he's certainly, certainly not been anywhere close to clean. So do you think there's been a lot? I think the, the lack of accountability has continued to an extent under this staff. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I mean, you're not going to fix all this in year one, obviously. Right. That's an interesting example that you provide. They certainly think that he's the best option that they have at left tackle. But I mean, what is I think it's like 13 penalties or something like that. It's uh, it's uh, an extraordinary amount. It is. It is. And again, that has nothing to do with the the two nice. But um, no, no. Uh, Fickle's intensity, and I and I think in front of a camera as opposed to behind a camera, there there are not as big a differences between Luke Fickle and Paul Chris as I think a lot of people think. Right, like Paul Chris in front of the media, not going to give you a ton. Luke Fickle a little bit more intense, but I think Paul Paul Chris even behind the scenes can be an intense guy. Now, maybe I think at at times maybe it started to lose its message. I think it started to lose its impact. And, you know, Jim Leonard has 
maybe doesn't have the intensity like yelling at guys all the time to to do that but he's still an intense guy in his preparation and all that there's different types of intensity and um you know joe rudolph is a, is a nice guy but he would get after guys butts as well it, it's just sometimes maybe the softer voice guys and certainly paul christ and, and joe rudolph and 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 uh jim leonard are a little bit softer voiced than a guy like barry alfres or even a brett bielema and certainly a Luke Fickle. So I think it it depends how how you view intensity. Is it their voice? I, I guess I'm. That's where I'm not really sure um, on this one. I don't know how you feel about that. But moving on here, Bill asks with potentially Bryson Green and and Will Pauling out. He's guessing that they're going to see Tretch getting some meaningful reps. Do you agree with that on Saturday? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> he did get a return as the up man he um, took it he I mean, he, he, <laughs> he took it away yes he he wanted he wanted to have that ball in his hands on that final uh kickoff before overtime yeah look i would i would very much like to see what tretch can give this team offensively just because it's largely because we haven't seen it yet and the, there's great intrigue in the unknown and i think the skill set that he offers can be very beneficial for this offense but I, it's, it's still a long way to go to get into that rotation. And if we don't have, if we don't see those guys, um, it'll be more of probably what we saw on Saturday. I mean, they put Vinny Anthony on the outside. He can obviously play in the slot if they want him to. If Skylar Bell is a slot man, we, we saw Quincy Burroughs. Presumably they'd give more reps for CJ Williams and, and you'd see Chimray DK and, and go from there. Yeah, so they do these huddles, these offensive huddles, uh, where all the skill players that are involved are like out on the field during timeouts, whether it's a, a TV timeout or otherwise, or, or before an offensive possession, they're all out there. And it feels like all the guys that are out there, potentially, potentially, could see time. And Tretch has not been out there. Um, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, I guess that doesn't mean anything in the big scheme of things, but if they don't have Will Pauling, that means more snaps for Skylar Bell in the slot, and it likely means Vinny Anthony getting more time in the slot, or, and then Will Pauling, or excuse me, uh, Quincy Burroughs, and obviously C.J. Williams on the outside, along with Chimray DK. I feel like he may get a snap or two, I guess, depending on what the game looks like, but there's still two guys in front of him even with Will Pauling out, right? I mean, Vinny Anthony, even though he has been lining up on the outside, is a slot receiver. The same thing for Skylar Bell. So there's still two guys in front of him. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it's not like just because Will Pauling's out, he's all of a sudden the next guy in. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I that's right. But I also think him being on special teams, while it's, it's a not a lot, it's, it's very encouraging, especially for a guy who missed all of fall camp and... And I'm I'm really intrigued to see what happens in in the spring and and next fall camp if he's healthy and obviously they're bringing in another slot receiver in Kyan Barry Johnson so they're they're loading up at the position and we've seen what Will Pauling has been able to do this year and if you get more guys like that presumably it can help spread out the offense and and uh, challenge defenses. All right, something positive here, Jesse from Nate, the rarity in in Twitter questions usually. He says, all right, beat Minnesota, bring the axe back, and bring back momentum. When they end the season 3-0 with a bowl win, what aspect of the program should we be most looking forward to in 2024? The schedule, recruiting, 
transfers? What what is what is what are you looking forward to other than just the end of the season? <laughs> well, all of those things excite me because it keeps this thing rolling 24/7, 365 days uh out of the year, but um I mean, I'm really interested to see how Wisconsin performs against that schedule because it's going to be the first of well, an annual occurrence where there's just no easy path through. And I I want to know how much better the program will be with another year under Fickle. I mean, I think we've, we've talked about whether there will be changes to the staff, and I don't know whether there will be. But there, there are so many unknowns as there are at this time of the year. Um, every year, it's all of it. I don't know that I can put one above the other because you're going to see a bunch of dudes enter the portal bunch of guys we haven't heard of because we didn't have any reason to follow them joining the team by the time the January offseason workouts arrive. And then a handful of those 2024 commits enrolling early. And by the time we see the product on the field in the spring and certainly in the fall, it'll be a totally different team. Yeah, but that, that to me, that's why the transfer thing sticks out to me so much because I'm so intrigued by how they approach this. We heard Luke Fickle talk all about him wanting to be a program that builds up guys multiple years at a time. And I think a lot of people thought that that's just, he's, he's talking about, rec, you know, high school recruiting in that. But when you look at all the guys that they brought in last year, got most of them or a lot of them were multi-year guys, not just plug and play one-year guys. Obviously there's the Tanner Mordecai's and the Jason Matries of the world, but there's guys that were going to have multiple years in the program. And I think that they're going to add more of those guys coming in for this year. But I also think the one-year impact players could also be at, uh, um, involved as well. Uh, again, I don't know that any of these things to be true. All I'm doing is spitballing based on what we've seen on the field, but I certainly think it feels like maybe another one year potential quarterback that you're bringing in to compete for a spot, maybe not handing them the starting job the way that you did Tanner Mordecai. But then again, how many of those guys are going to come in and want to play without that guarantee? I don't know, but there, there are a number of positions where you're like, they need an impact player right away. If they're not, if they don't have it on the team now, is it something that they have to go out and add? And I think that there are several spots where you could, you could see and and see them do that. Yeah. Quarterback is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Now what you have is five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster for the spring, assuming everybody is back. Assuming it's an assumption. (laughs) Significant. So, So it's it's difficult to know the answer to that, the transfer portal situation, because you don't know who's leaving. But what what they have is only one of those quarterbacks has gained starting experience in Braden Locke. He completed 50 percent of his passes. I like some of the things that he did, especially for a redshirt freshman. But you want to give your team the best opportunity every year. And so I think they're going to evaluate a bunch of different positions. But we'll know more, presumably. I don't know when in that transfer portal window. That's the other interesting thing is are guys going to jump in there as soon as it happens? Do they want to play in the bowl game and then do it? Um, That's become less and less important in recent years because you want to maximize the time that you have to have these programs reach out to you, but it's not far away from the portal opening. Yeah. In terms of if I'm ranking the three, it probably goes transfer portal next year's schedule and then recruits because I think they have their 2024 class pretty much. I mean, it's, it's essentially done now. It's not yeah. to say that they can't add somebody or that they're not going to potentially lose guys, but that feels kind of 
locked in. Now the 2025 class is certainly a priority too here heading into uh, 2024 and, you know, in in January and February and, and all the things that play out in, in even ahead, right. The 2025 class or the, you know, junior day for guys as well coming up in the spring or when is that? That's that's usually February, right? The junior day. So those are all things I think that are things to look forward to. But the transfer portal, because it's the first thing, is the one that that stands out to me. So yeah, the the recruiting class is interesting because they've got twenty one commits right now, and if you just look at the twenty four seven sports composite, seven of those guys are rated as four star prospects. So there's a lot of reason for excitement. Um, and I think some of those guys can potentially be impact players next year, but long way to go before we get there. There is. So, all right. So we normally pick games on Temple and High Alprin, but we do not have a show this week because of Thanksgiving. So we're going to spend, we're going to do our picks here because I just can't allow this to, uh, I can't allow <laughs> you just to run away with this. I mean, there's no, this is the last week we have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to make up some ground and we're going to do championship weekend too, but there's um, that, that, I don't feel like there's enough time here to make up enough ground. We both went five and one last week. You are now 43, 25 and four. Holy crap. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sitting at 38, 30 and four. So we're both doing quite well. You, however, uh, obviously being 18 games above 500 is crazy. If my math is accurate. So you're having a week. You're having a week. But it is rivalry weekend, and there are some big games on the slate in the Big Ten. So I figured there's seven games. We'll do seven games this week. Give myself a, okay. an extra an extra game. Usually we do six, but I'm going to do seven games. And we'll start with the games that are happening on Friday, on Black Friday. The normal matchup that we're all used to seeing on Black Friday, Iowa, the Big Ten West champions, six and two, traveling to Nebraska, who's trying to get bowl eligible Nebraska, Nebraska, Jesse, is favored by two and a half in this one. And I also think it's worth noting that the over-under is 26 and a half. We won't <laughs> pick the over-under, but that, I believe, would be the lowest ever. I know that the, uh, what was it, the Illinois and Iowa over-under was not much higher than that, and they still didn't hit it. So, yes, this is... It's a low, that's a low one. We won't, we won't pick that one, but Nebraska two and a half point favorites in this one. When it comes to one possession games, give me Iowa. Um, <laughs> talk about a bad beat, by the way. And I texted you about this, that Iowa was a three point favorite against Illinois last week. And they scored a touchdown to go ahead 15, 13. And then the kicker had the extra point blocked. So I, I lost on a blocked extra point late. And that's why you should never bet on football games because college kickers, man. Am I right? Uh, I'm going to go with, Iowa for this one. I was going to say things you hate to see. <laughs> um, I mean the, yeah, not you're you're going Iowa. Uh, Nebraska playing for certainly playing for bowl eligibility, playing at home. Two and a half. I don't know why they're favored by two and a half, but because of the situation, this is one of those those games where you could go either way with it, and I need to catch up, so I'm going to take Nebraska. Yeah. The other one on Friday, Penn State taking on Michigan State. That game being played at Ford Field in Detroit. Penn State favored by 21 in the game. The Nittany Lions trying to get to double-digit wins on the season. 
21 is a lot of points. Um, I, I, I don't know. They, they didn't <laughs> James Franklin just fire his offensive coordinator. Well, that was, I don't believe that this was this past week. I believe that was a couple, that was either last week or the week yeah, before. I, th- I thought before it was maybe, the last game. Yeah. Um, what I'll just go Penn state. What the hell? How's that for scientific? <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Michigan state <laughs> in this one as well, just because the spread is so big. I mean, it's 21 and I think Michigan state, maybe, maybe can keep it close largely because I don't believe in Penn state's offense. I, I don't think that they're a, a great offensive team by any stretch. We saw that in both the games that mattered for them against Michigan and against uh, Ohio state. So the other uh, big one, the old Oaken bucket being played uh, at West Lafayette, Indiana and Purdue coming up at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Um, neither team going bowling. So this is essentially where it's at. Purdue is a three-point favorite in that one. I'll go with Purdue. One time they beat <laughs> Illinois <laughs> and scored 44 <laughs> points. And that was only two months ago. So I'm just going to pretend that that they also scored 49 against Minnesota. So let's just pretend that version shows up. Yep. I'm going to go Purdue as well in this one. I, I don't want to because um, I do want to pick against you, but I'm, I'm going to go Purdue here as well. Uh, at 2.30, we've got uh, Northwestern and Illinois, that game being played in Champaign. The Illini, five and a half point favorites. They continue. And, and Illinois, another team looking for bowl eligibility. Northwestern got bowl eligible last week. They are... Uh, and uh, apparently have a new coach in Dave Braun. So they have everything going for them. Illinois fighting for a bowl game under Brett Bielema. They are five and a half point favorites, as I believe I said. Um, Illinois sets five and a half point favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go Northwestern because normally uh, for people listening who may not care about these picks, I at least have a little time to do some research ahead of time. This is totally on the fly. I didn't even know which games we'd be picking. So that's why I sound so intelligent. I'm going Northwestern. If it makes you feel better, I'm picking this as we go as well. As well. It's not like <laughs> I sat out here and, and looked at all these games going up and down them. Uh, but that's also why you're so your record's so good too. It's not like you're spending hours upon hours researching this before making your picks and you get too into the weeds and then you kind of overthink yourself. So you're going Northwestern here. I'm going to go Illinois at home. Five and a half seems a lot. Northwestern's playing well. Um, but again, bowl eligibility means a lot. I think Illinois is going to play for it. So uh, the other big game that everyone has been talking about, Maryland and Rutgers taking, mm. on, uh, taking on each yes. other here out in Piscataway, Maryland favored by one in that game. Give me Maryland or give me death. <laughs> give me Rutgers or give me death. Was uh, the biggest one, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan playing for the Big Ten East title. The winner going to the Big Ten title game and keeping their hopes alive for a college football playoff berth. I guess both of them could make it uh, if one of the other undefeated teams loses and there there's only um you know i guess two of them would have to lose we'll see either way michigan at home favored by 3 no jim harbaugh ohio state has lost the last two games against michigan you know there's going to be some anger involved from both sides with all the stuff that has gone on this year who you got i'm going to pick michigan because i think it would be a more fun storyline to have the coach who was suspended for half the regular season and two different transgressions leading his team back to 
the Big Ten Championship and presumably the college football playoff. I don't feel good about this pick, but I'm going to go Ohio State because uh, I, I do like their defense. And Michigan's defense looked a little shaky last week against Maryland. It felt like, and obviously they made some big plays defensively. Don't get me wrong. They did. Their defense is actually the reason they, they won that game. And it wasn't, wasn't the offense, uh, but they also gave up some plays to Maryland. So um, I think with Marvin Harrison Jr. and company, Ohio State figures out a way to get past Michigan. One more one. Well, I should say one last one here. Wisconsin, Minnesota, battle for Paul Bunny and Zach's. Badgers are already bowl eligible. Minnesota trying to get bowl eligible, trying to make it three straight for the first time since the mid-80s. The Badgers are favored by two and a half in this one. I know that that spread, yeah, maybe start, maybe it was around one and a half, but it's up to two and a half, according to uh, Caesars. Here's a question for you, Zach. Yeah. Has Wisconsin been favored in every game this season other than Ohio State? Yes. I believe the answer is yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how is it possible? <laughs> There's six and five. And we're favored in every game. Uh, I, mean, I just that, throw that out there. That was essentially the same thing last year, wasn't it? And the year before, Probably. I mean, there, there was a there was a streak there that the only team that they had been an underdog against. I mean, Ohio State had been the only team they were an underdog against going all the way back to the 2018 pinstripe bowl from that from 2019 until I believe the Iowa game last year. Wisconsin was a favorite in every single game except games against Ohio State. What's wrong with these? Betters in Vegas, man. Are they are they watching something else? They must be. <laughs> they must be. Uh, having said that, I can't possibly pick the Gophers. I mean, three straight in this series. Look what Wisconsin just did against Nebraska. So much momentum. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll just pick Wisconsin. <laughs> now I have to. I mean, I don't. I I don't want to pick Minnesota. I've put. I've backed you into a corner. You have. Um. You know what? Wisconsin wins this game, but it's going to be by one. Yeah, so, that was the uh, best way to do it. Yep. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go Minnesota there. Uh, I can't. I won't pick Minnesota to win the game, but I'll take Wisconsin to get it done by one and uh, bring the axe back to Madison, and uh, we'll see if they get it done. So again, we'll be up there on on Saturday. Uh, hope everybody has a great holiday, Jesse. You as well, and we'll chat uh, next week after. Uh, after the game and and look ahead to, I guess, championship weekend and wait to see where Wisconsin goes for its bowl game. Thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.